welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Anna. And today we're going through the Blue Shadow Virus arc. In which Star Wars has its very own COVID-19. Yeah, sort of. Sort of. Anyway, this one starts off and I noted right away that what we have is as the narrator is talking, we're seeing some action in the background. And the action is that the Naboo militia is taking out a droid patrol. Yeah, what was that? That was totally new to me. I This is the first time I've seen it, but it leads right into the next bit, which is that Padme, Jar Jar, and C-3PO show up in a brand new ship. It's the exact same model of the one that Ryle, uh, Jar Jar crushed when they were trying to capture Newt Gunray. And Padme does a very excellent parking job. She does. She's still got it under uh, warranty or lease, apparently. So they land and meet the new queen and are immediately brought to the robo-lobotomy lab. Robo-lobotomy is correct. This is a very ethically sketchy scene and i don't know where this lands on the geneva convention but they do reactivate a tactician tactical droid yeah and he's like where am i and c-3po is brilliant in this scene i don't know maybe they robo lobotomied c-3po and gave him a better (laughs) brain i'm not totally sure well c-3po is like this is all making me very squeamish permission to leave and padme's like permission denied oh it's so great uh, so the droid stands up and starts saying, where am I? What's up? And C-3PO is lying to him, saying- Pretending that yeah. he's waiting for a commendation from General Grievous. He did such a great job. We'd love to hear about your heroic feats in battle. Tell us everything you remember. Meanwhile, across the room, Jar Jar Binks sees a beautiful blue beetle. Swamp beetle. And he is trying to get it. He- Yeets his tongue out at it, misses it, puts a R2-D2 head over his own head, <laughs> bonks into the, you know, they, once again, they have unsecured shelves in the RoboBlobot. They're lab. sitting in a library. Yeah. Again, so because the, the Clone Wars loves a good shelf crash. So the shelf crash occurs again. And fortunately, they had actually, the jig was up with the robo lobotomy interrogation and the tactical droid was like this is lame i don't believe you oh no right as the you know shelves crash into him and beat him up but jar jar points out that this is a very rare very delicious bug misa love him so much and that is a good location for them to start So what he figures out is that the only place that these beetles are found is in the mud of the perloti trees. Yeah, which apparently just grow in a specific part of Naboo. So Jar Jar and Padme get aboard the dumbest looking ship ever. It is actually so awkward. Why is it so dumb? It's just super dumb. It's really bad. Especially because all the other Naboo ships are so beautiful and sexy. It looks like Bob the Builder just got tired one day and was like, okay, fine. (laughs) It's dumb looking. Uh, and they meet Peppy Bao, who is a Gungan shepherd. Shepherdess. Shepherdess. She is a shack herder. Like is that what they're sh- called? Like a shaggy yak. They're like, they've got little heads and little legs and, and just enormous, enormous butts. butts. <laughs> they're, they're like 85 to 90% I'm butt. glad we agree that those things have dump trucks, Sam. Yeah, they are dump trucks. And she's sitting there. <laughs> Up, um, at a spot where her shacks, they're called. I mean, shock? No, shack? I don't, know. I don't know. Anyway, they had all died from bad water. So the cool thing is that Peppy Bow is drinking water next to the shacks. Mm-hmm. And then some of them make a funny expression on their face and she immediately knows what's up. She's like, back, back, back. The other one's topple over dead. She was centimeters from dying herself. Mm-hmm. And saved half her flock. She did. If that's the term of venery for shock. It is. Okay. All right. Heard, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, uh, so Jar Jar and Padme show up and Peppy Bao defeats them using a Handily. stick. Yeah. And pulls off Jar Jar's helmet. And Jar Jar is running around panicking when Padme pulls a gun and resolves the situation. Padme is such a mom in this scene. She's like, <laughs> okay, Jar Jar, put your helmet back on. Okay, Peppy, calm your tits. So... They get a better idea of where to go, and Peppy Bao wants to join them, but she does not, so she is sent back to Thede. I think it's important to note that Senator Padme Amidala recognizes mm-hmm. that she's in the presence of one of her constituents, and 
Pepe wants to come with them, and Senator Amidala says, no, I'm going to send some clone trooper security forces to take you back to Theed. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep you safe. So they head towards a spot in the middle of the woods where a little rock periscope scopes them out, and they immediately uh, jar-jar their way into finding a hatch. As they're trying to figure out a way to open the hatch, the nefarious Dr. Vindy inside sees them and deploys some droids and captures Jar Jar and Padme. So at this point, Obi-Wan and Anakin show up because uh, Padme had called for help before running off to go look for the lab where this was happening. They show up and get directions from Peppy Bao and decide to take three gunships and head in the direction they're going. And they send Ahsoka to take a look. This is because Padme and Jar Jar have gotten captured. Yes. So they send Ahsoka to go get her back, question mark? Well, so what ends up happening is that Ahsoka scopes it out and then stays in wait. And then Anakin and Obi-Wan arrive as the cavalry. So Ahsoka's job with Peppy Bao to lead her there is to force float a bunker bomb and mm-hmm. blow up the south end of the facility as a distraction while Obi-Wan and Anakin and the cavalry actually jump down to save Padme so and they, Jar Jar. So they put three holes, first one and then two more in the top of this bunker. And the first one is the one that Ahsoka and Rex go through. And that's where all the heat is because it happens first. And Vindy sends all of the droid troopers there. So they're having a big, huge fight. I think we've forgotten to explain why Dr. Vindy is nefarious. He's trying to unleash a plague on the galaxy. Right, right. I can't so believe we forgot. His, his, uh, he's, this is a disaster. This is, yeah, he's, uh, he's a real piece of work. So Dr. Vindy has a... Very long face. Yeah, he's very tall and skinny. He's got a real, like, captured Nazi scientist vibe to the max. He uh, has this weird affect when he's like yeah 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 i'm gonna kill the entire galaxy and he uh suck us his job is to re-resurrect i guess the blue shadow virus which has been made extinct and reconfigure a new strain that doesn't just travel through water but also travels through the air for maximum mm -hmm. collateral and instead of using you know like evolution he uses the power of mad science so he is of course explaining his plan and explaining the problems with this plan and they've recognized what's going on and with a a little bit more information now Anakin and Obi-Wan know what they're getting into and they are literally getting into so much there's so much happening in this Mm -hmm. plot Vindy's trying to escape he keeps getting away because he keeps throwing vials of the virus Mm -hmm. at whoever is chasing him and they keep having to catch him it is so stupidly effective like this is why I could never be a crime lord Sam I don't (laughs) think of these dumb perfect things I mean, he was wearing, like, a mask, too. He could have just dropped one, and everyone around him would have died. And yeah, absolutely. He was just doing it for the drama. Ahsoka is in real trouble from Destroyer droids when Obi-Wan cuts a hole in the floor and lands on top of them, and her very heroically shows up. Oh, my God, it's so up. precious. Yeah, it's a, they have a real bonding moment. It is so nice. And Anakin is also dissuaded from capturing Dr. Vindy because Dr. Vindy flings a switch to start electrocuting Jar Jar and Padme. yes. Yes, that is true. Also, he activates all of the bombs in the entire hatch. So there's a whole bunch of bombs. So we've got clones working on deactivating the bombs. Mm -hmm. Also, one of them is missing because because the the little mouse droid droid is making away with the vial. Very funny little droid. There's so much going on. And I think the writers recognize that because there's a moment when everybody meets in the middle of the hatch. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. So Anakin and Ahsoka are like yelling at each other in their risk communicators. And then they like meet at a corridor and Anakin just drops his volume one decibel and continues talking it is so phenomenally great well and then he orders everyone around and Padme and Jar Jar are like are we supposed to be following his directions like we know (laughs) yeah everyone is just going in a million directions so in the bomb room with Obi-Wan they find that there is in fact one missing bomb and Padme and Jar Jar find the little mouse droid that has it they go up, the little mouse droid gives them a jump scare, which is hilarious. Top five favorite moment <laughs> is when the little mouse droid goes, Rah! and Georgia and Padme are just like, Because it's like a dumb little droid that makes like little bouncy noises I'm as it walks. I was like so seen by that <laughs> moment. I don't know why I love this vicious little mouse droid so much, but he is delightful. So 
Meanwhile, Obi-Wan and Anakin are fighting Dr. Vindy. Anakin gets there. Obi-Wan has to like let go of the vial or has to dive off to catch vials. He catches three in mm. midair successfully. Yeah. Anakin and leaps up to keep chasing Vindy. Dives off, catches one more, and our savior, Peppy Bao, just beats... The tar. Yeah, just, just beats... Dr. Vindy within an inch of his life with her stick. A goddess. She's great. Um, All hail Peppy Bow. <laughs> I love her so much. She's uh, she's way up there for bit players who, who punch way above their weight. And so the bombs on Dr. Vindy's wrist are about to go off. The timer goes off. He's very excited for everyone to die. And nothing happens because Cody, Commander Cody, is sitting there and he's like, Play hero. He's, he's got his we cut to a scene of him, you know, holding his bomb diffusing pliers over a bomb. He's like, plenty of time. Plenty of time. Jar Jar passes out. <laughs> there was not plenty of time. This is such a team effort. Padme gets the bomb back from the droid. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan catches the vials. Anakin catches the next one. Peppy gets Vindy. And there. Cody gets the bomb. Yeah. And, no sweat. And Rex, you know, survives. Does, he supports Ahsoka because that's their team. So Yeah, Ahsoka's also there. There's some really cool scenes in this first one. But then there's more in the yeah. second episode. Joke's on us because in Mystery of the Thousand Moons, which is the next episode in this arc, the little mouse droid actually did get away mm-hmm. with one final vial of the virus, promptly sets it off. Yeah, he sneaks into the bomb room, plugs it in, and it blows up, and it starts a chain reaction of this blue cloud of virus going through the facility. Which is just so unfair, because droids don't breathe air. Like, this is such a, you know, this is discrimination against organic beings. Yeah, I don't know why C-3PO is so worried in the first episode. That is such a great question. Yeah. So everyone is panicking. Padme and Jar Jar have their suits. Mm -hmm. So they put their suits on. But Ahsoka and the clones are running through the laboratory trying to get ahead of the virus. Mm -hmm. Ahsoka has to hold off some of the battle droids. Well, she holds a door open. So then, the clones could get inside. Yeah, so they're being chased. She has to hold the safe doors open so that all the clones can get in. And there's a moment when she could have sacrificed herself and slammed the door shut mm-hmm. and kept them safe. But she does scoot inside. And then the air gets contaminated. There's some of the virus that made it inside. Mm-hmm. Everyone promptly is coughing. They are not feeling good. Jar Jar and Padme manage to track them down. They open the door. Everyone is... Fully exposed. So the party is split into two groups now. We have Padme, Jar Jar, Ahsoka, Rex, Mm -hmm. and some clones down there. And their problem is that there are droids inside who are trying to get out. Yes, they have to hunt down and destroy every battle droid in the laboratory so that the virus won't escape and contaminate all of Naboo. So high stakes roulette over here. And Ahsoka and the clones are all much worse for wear because the blue shadow virus is starting to turn them blue. Meanwhile, Anakin and Obi-Wan are safe Mm -hmm. and they have a lead on an antidote to the virus. It is a mysterious root called a Rixa root on a random planet called Iego. Mm -hmm. Which is in Separatist controlled space. Yeah. And it has a thousand moons. Surrounding it, which is cool. So they fly to Iego. They have to go through a graveyard of destructed ships to get Mm -hmm. there. They're like, hmm, this is us. I don't love this. (laughs) They land and they meet this cocky little kid named Jabo. 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 And his army of droids. That he reprogrammed. Yeah, he's like a mechanical wonder kid in the style of Anakin. Yeah. Just this disaffected little punk, basically. I mean, you, you do with what you can. He's sitting there and he has like droids like fan him and stuff. Yeah, where is his grapes. mom? I don't know. I'm I mean, deeply concerned about this small child. Anyway, Jabo has a big attitude, but he is able to lead them to the Rixa route, which mm-hmm. is in this terrifying canyon with flying dinosaurs and venus flytrap carnivorous roots yeah it's a it's a very action-packed scene full of like 
silliness for the sake of silliness almost although i do kind of love that aspect oh, of it it's really loved fun it. It's, it was super light mm-hmm. it's it was like just pulp adventure good clean adventure time yeah. with obi-wan and anakin i thought mm-hmm. it was delightful so jabo comes through but he also tells anakin and obi-wan that they're going to be stuck on this planet forever because the ghost of droll droll is haunting the planet mm-hmm. ha 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 so they have the route and they try to fly up and they realize Jabo was right kind of that a like laser grid yeah a tholian web swoops out of all of the moons the thousand moons and all of the and like, even things. anakin can't get through it yeah so they turn around and make it back which is good flying the piece de resistance is a holocron from padme and ahsoka dying Straight up capital D dying. Mm-hmm. Because in one of the firefights, Jar Jar got a hold of a gun, which, of course, breached Padme's. Yeah, Padme had to tackle him. Her suit got a tear in it. I think what happened was that, so Ahsoka was jumping on top of a droid, a destroyer droid to shove her lightsaber through and turn it on to kill it. Jar Jar shoots. She deflects the bolt into Padme. Is that what happened? It was, yeah. Oh, like, lordy. It's a, it's a Jar Jar kill. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, another piece of compelling evidence for Darth Jar Jar. I did not need this today, Sam. So Jar Jar, Jar Jar's the only one who's like, they're going to open this place suit. up and Jar Jar, well, Jar Jar's going to starve to death and the rest of them are going to die of blue shadow virus. So. But he's still got his PPE on, yeah. so he's fine. Anyway, Anakin gets this holocron. Padme says, promise me that no one will ever open this bunker. Mm-hmm. I want the virus to die with us. Yeah. And Anakin flips. Yeah. As one does. And they go to the council on the uh, moon of Iego. There's a wildly convoluted scene that, honestly, Sam, it could have been an entire movie in and of (laughs) itself. There is an angel. Yeah. And they're like, Obi-Wan deduces that the home planet of these angels, which is one of the thousand Milius Prime. Yeah. Is where the original emitter is from. And so they borrow some of Jade Bow's programmed vulture droids. Yeah, and R2 flies them. And they use them as enough chaff to get them to Milius Prime to shoot up the emitter. Node. Yeah. Emitter. Yeah. And Which Obi-Wan does have to fire into the generator, but it blows up. Mm-hmm. There's a big fireworks show. They fly back to Naboo. Mm-hmm. Everyone is fine. And the day is saved. If only plagues were always this easy. Yeah. Yeah, so that is the blue shadow arc. It's, Star Wars COVID. It yeah, it's um it's got some some fun bits to it. Obviously, Star Wars science, and also it's got some fun bits of uh you know it's just, it's kind of pulp. It doesn't need to yeah. be in the backdrop of a war necessarily. That helps, but like you could have done this as just like regular bad guys. Yeah, so so this arc was interesting because you could cut it from the Clone Wars and I don't think we'd be any less off. And I say that Mm -hmm. not in a mean way, but because as soon as we get into season two, one arc after this, we've got another plague. Mm -hmm. So we're not suffering from a Darth of Plagues over here. (laughs) Get it? Yeah. A Darth of... Thank you. Okay. You truly are Darth Plagueis the Wise. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about how cool Peppy Bow is. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So do I. Wow, I I literally just did the Vindy thing. That was really embarrassing. Okay, I love the emphasis on the Gungan's knowledge of Naboo. Mm -hmm. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, with like the perlote tree. Yeah, Jar Jar knows exactly where to find the beetle. He knows that the beetle's delicious. Yeah, he does. It's a great tongue grabber. Mm -hmm. Mies, I love him. Peppy Bao also knows exactly where to find the perlodi trees. She's really quick to pick up on the virus being carried in the water. This was just a great episode for Gungans as great and competent and necessary. And I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, Specifically, I looked up who is the voice actor for Peppy Bao. And it is Gwendolyn Yo. Huh. Uh, who does a whole bunch of other voices, just basically anytime they need a female voice throughout the rest of the Clone Wars, who's not Padme or Ahsoka, they bring she, her Yeah, in. she did a nice job for Peppy. It was a little high-pitched, but it wasn't 
It was great, especially in comparison to Jar Jar's. Right. So in this episode, we still have BJ Hughes as Jar Jar as opposed to Ahmed Best. It's really clunky. What makes it is that um, Gwen Danielle captures, or however it's pronounced. Sorry, it's... Yeah, Gwen. We'll call her Gwen. Call her Gwendolyn. Uh, It's... She captures the way that Gungans speak. Mm -hmm. And whatever her accent is, you know, she's got the... Okay, day like Misa doing this, and BJ Hughes does not capture it. No, it's it's jarring in this episode, and I feel like this this episode and then the previous one are why people dislike Jar Jar episodes. Mm. Because when we went back, I mean, we had Jar Jar be a bay. Jar Jar was absolutely on my bay list. Yeah, in um, supply lines, he is. He is the cream He was of the your bay in supply lines. Mm-hmm. He was fabulous. And then great. all of a sudden there's just a sharp downturn. And I think you're right, Sam. I think it's because the voice acting is so clumsy. I mean, it's I mean that's that's also a script, but it's it's different. And it doesn't play into the Gungans' strengths, yeah. which are that the ideal Jar Jar is the one that you face towards enemy. And then let loose and he'll do silly things and it'll be silly and it'll be funny. And it's like comic horror afterwards that you're like, oh, wow, he got a tank kill. You but know? no matter what, it is highly effective. Yes. Mm-hmm. Unleashing Jar Jar as a grenade, a mm-hmm. plague upon your enemies yeah. is always highly effective. And Peppy Bao was highly effective. Oh, God love Peppy. She's so cool. Another scene that I loved was the airdrop into the labs. Yeah. I think that's a, it's a super cool scene. So we start off, uh, Ahsoka dropped, she force pushes that thermal detonator mm-hmm. and then sets it off. And right then a, a gunship comes in and drops Rex and his gang in. And then two more airships come in and drop a bunch of thermal detonators and Obi-Wan jumps in and then. Anakin jumps in. and He so does they- this cool thing. Obi-Wan starts off jumping and then he ignites his lightsaber and he just... I We watched this episode together, Sam, and we reround it and mm-hmm. watched Obi-Wan drop again because it was so smooth. And then Anakin swan dives in and oh, lands yeah. and is immediately ready to go. Beautiful. And, and so is Ahsoka. And it's all in all, it's a very cool scene, particularly because like Throughout the whole episode, Captain Tycho is like, hey, wait for this and, you know, let's do that. And Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka are just like, that. No, we got this. Yeah. Like, how many people do we got to take care of? Well, we got this. No problem. Super ready. So I thought that was cool. Okay. I want to talk about something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that the aesthetics of this episode had a virus motif in them? Tell me more. So maybe this is just because I'm highly primed by living in plague season for like almost two years now and working in crisis communications for a plague so Mm -hmm. i've seen a lot of graphics of what the coronavirus looks like but the entirety of vindy's lab is circles and connecting joints Mm, so there's like circles and bars circles and bars Mm -hmm. when we see iego It's a big circle with a bunch of other little circles surrounding Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. in a nexus or a nebula. There was also a moment when we're we're on Naboo and Tycho is kind of briefing Anakin and Obi-Wan on the Rixa route. There's a diagram behind him that's got a bunch of circles and they're all connected. I think the artist took a diagram of a virus Mm -hmm. and put it everywhere. All over these episodes. That's cool. That's a cool, subtle motif. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it speaks to the depravity of this war because this is the, I mean, we've been seeing war crimes in by our understanding all across this, but the fact that the separatists are in the Anakin injured arc willing to use a defoliator cannon, mm-hmm. and in this case, they're willing to use a virus which kills all living things, mm-hmm. shows that they are surprisingly desperate. Something else I noticed is that, as you spoke, Jabo is a precocious mechanic, similar to Anakin. Oh, yeah. Okay, I wrote down, Jabo is small Anakin. (laughs) 
It, do, do you think this is how Anakin would have ended up if he'd stayed on Tatooine? Like a plucky, but bored, disaffected, mechanic whiz kid? I feel like he would have ended up an assassin for Jabba. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, that's dark. That's yeah. the darkest timeline. Oh, yeah. I hate it. Is it? Oh, well. <laughs> I spoke too soon. That is not the darkest timeline. Um, Thanks, I hate it more. Uh, so what that made me think of immediately was it is strange to me that people aren't volunteering for the war. Hmm. Explain to me how you got from one idea to the other. So if I showed up on a planet like Diego and I saw someone who was a mechanical savant who had reprogrammed a whole bunch of battle droids, yeah. I would have been like, you should come with us for various reasons. Hmm. Namely, are you force sensitive? Would you like to be a Jedi? Would you like to work for the Jedi and write us like macro viruses so that we can virus bomb the droids to convert them to our side oh interesting but throughout the clone wars besides like admiral yularen and uh moff tarkin we don't see anyone who's not a jedi or a clone fighting for the republic and i wonder how much of that is like palpatine's propaganda Mm. of saying the clones are fighting for you. And then the subtext is, so you don't have to rise up for this fight to defend yourself. Oh, that is fascinating. So the reason that I asked where Jabo's mom is, mm-hmm. is because Anakin and Obi-Wan leave him behind yeah. without another thought. Yeah. And when you mention it, it makes me feel like this was a real Phantom Menace moment. <laughs> the Jedi Master, the tall, suave mm-hmm. Qui-Gon. Yeah. Anakin Obi-Wan. And in this case, Obi-Wan's like, I'm not making that mistake again. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> right? Maybe they have learned their lesson because yeah, they leave no this precocious kid, kid no behind. Yeah. What is he going to do? I don't know. I don't that know. That wasn't a rhetorical question. I want an answer. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm invested in this small child's outcome. But, you know, as he said, there's, uh, you know, millions of planets in the galaxy and this is just one i mean maybe 10 15 years down the line he drives around a giant voltron made of droids as yeah, he crushes I, his enemies i want to follow up with him i want to see what happens to him I, I wouldn't hold my breath oh man yeah this whole episode's full of little bit actors bit players bit pieces mm-hmm. and so it's kind of unfortunate you could take these episodes and as you said uh, remove them from the context of the war and they'd still make sense. So. Or you could make an entire movie out of them. The last yeah. five minutes of Mystery of the Thousand Moons, mm-hmm. when there is an angel introduced, there is a tragic backstory with the separatists and colonizing and displacement and mm-hmm. there's a ghost and legends and there's a whole council on Iego. There is so much going on. This felt like an entire movie plot compressed into five minutes. Yeah, you could have made like a campy Saturday morning movie or a like 50s style pulp movie out of it. Honestly, and I say this with full knowledge, this was a more compelling plot to me in five minutes than the entirety of the Clone Wars movie. I would have rather seen yeah. this fleshed out than chase Jabba the Hutt's son across the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Not You're... that I didn't really have a lot of fun with those. Yeah, no. I mean, we did. But I agree. It definitely showcased the depth and breadth of the Star Wars universe mm-hmm. in a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. It was super fun. I loved it. Yeah. The uh, the route is interesting at the time, I'm sure it was a reference to malaria and the um, quinine root, hydroxychloroquine. Oh, interesting. Something. Anyway, it, it does actually work really strongly on malaria, and it's this root that you get from the Amazon. And so that's what indigenous people of South America used to prevent malaria. In that's, fact, that's where gin and tonics come from. Yeah, quinine. Because it tastes utterly miserable. It's interesting. I'm really glad that you brought up that there was real world context because my mind went to the gold standard pandemic movie Contagion Mm -hmm. when there's a false snake oil cure florium Mm -hmm. that someone is peddling that Mm -hmm. actually doesn't work. It's a lot more hopeful to me that there is a real world context of a real world route 
that actually does cure plagues. There is an absolute A-plus scene when they're about to go to the route. They land after riding a horrific bat creature down the canyon. Yes. They have a hard landing, and all of a sudden, aggressively carnivorous plants are after them. And we turn to see Anakin. And what's Anakin (laughs) do to any fight? He reaches behind his back, and he pulls out his weapon, which is... A shovel. A shovel. It's a shovel. (laughs) And Obi-Wan's like, hurry up. (laughs) It was actually so wonderful. (laughs) I think it's funny that out of the two of them, they're like, all right, so who's who's holding the lightsaber and who's holding the shovel? And I imagine they're playing like rock, paper, scissors or something. It ended up fine, but I would have given Obi-Wan the shovel if it were me. You know, I would have given Obi-Wan the lightsaber. Interesting. Because Obi-Wan is a master of the Soryesu form, and he's good at defending himself and others. Well, there you go, Sam. That and, was a very compelling and argument. And Anakin would have just killed the planet. So. <laughs> <laughs> you are not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also love the little dread. I love that vicious little murder droid. There, uh, If you imagine something, it, it's got rabbit ears. It's got a stupid little face. It's got a big dump truck butt. It's two and a half feet tall. And it's like... Rawr, rawr, rawr. Okay, someone please tell me who the voice actor was for the little mouse <laughs> droid because I make the same noises. Like... <laughs> rawr, rawr, rawr. Hiding under there. What, what does he do? He's so fat, too. You can always see his little stomach hanging out and... Pa- <laughs> The, the moment that I love the most is that Padme sees his little feet and his little belly sticking out. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got this. Of all the people in this bunker, I'm probably the little mm-hmm. mouse droid whisperer. Hey, little buddy, you want to give me the bomb? And then... <laughs> <laughs> Just the way that they flinch back is validation for every jump scare I've yeah. sat through. It's it's That's a great moment. Freaking... That was my favorite part of the whole episode. It was so great. And so as I watched through these again, I was like, man, I these are fun episodes. Yeah, they are. But- they are campy and pulpy. I think those are the right adjectives. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to me to live in this little universe where, you know, COVID was a far distant fever dream mm-hmm. 12 years down the line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not that we didn't have terrible pandemics at the time. But- we did. I think they were very far from the American yeah. imagination. So I I do want to briefly talk about an extremely uncomfortable moment for me. Oh, yeah. Which is watching Ahsoka and the clones barefaced as they're breathing in the virus in the safe room. And I think it speaks to having walked around for two years wearing a face covering by Mm -hmm. this point. But there's this moment when Padme and Jar Jar pull up to their safe room wearing PPE, personal Mm -hmm. protective equipment, as Ahsoka and the clones are already coughing and feeling the effects of the virus. And I just had this moment where it felt so privileged that Padme and Jar Jar had protection and Ahsoka and the clones didn't. I have two other points I want to make off that Ooh. The first one is that's, uh, as you said, Ahsoka could have sacrificed herself to save the clones because when she force held the door open, she Mm -hmm. condemned them all to die. So those clone deaths are on her. Oh. Yeah. And the second one is Jar Jar's helmet never, ever fit. And that's speciesist. Like they're, those are Naboo suits and they do not fit a perfectly normal proportioned gun. Hey, that is a great point. (laughs) Hey. Oh, I feel mad about that now. Yeah. He like, does have to shove his ears into it, and his little eye stalks are yeah, kind of crouched yeah, it, down. Like because he's got those eye stalks. Yeah, listener, I've, I've got, I'm holding my hands above my head, and he's the, like, as if they're Jar Jar's eyes, and he has to like fold them down until they're right above his nostrils. Yeah, that is speciesist. Yeah. On the other hand, there is some extremely unspeciesist great Gungan representation in this episode, so I do think it kind of shakes out. Fair enough. You are correct, but that moment when. Padme's suit is ruptured, ruptured, mm-hmm. compromised. And she says, don't blame yourself. These things tend to happen in a war zone. Yeah. Do you know what that reminded me of, Sam, is all of the nurses and doctors that contracted COVID mm, when they were yeah. working in the hospital for the last As two years. As a war zone, yeah. And it reminded me that a, a plague center is a war zone. And it just, you know, I had a real moment of gratitude and respect and appreciation for all of our healthcare workers. Yeah. And I just want to say thanks. Yeah. Something that 
also is in line with that is as one of the clones is dying in the safe room, Rex uh, Padme says... So it's in the middle part yeah. of Mystery of the Thousand Moons when the virus is really kicking in and mm-hmm. they're trying to hunt down all the battle droids. Yeah, and Padme says it's such a tragedy. So Padme says, what a waste. What a waste, as a clone dies. And Rex says, with all due respect, Senator, it's what these men were born to do. Mm-hmm. Die. Yeah. And that's... Rex's moments in this episode are small, Mm -hmm. but he has a solid three. One of them is jumping off that uh, off that landing craft through a hole right behind Ahsoka, charging forward, blasters blazing. And then the next is sitting there and he's got his blaster shoved up at the door, making sure that Ahsoka makes her way in through the door and then sitting there telling Mm -hmm. telling Padme that. As he's not in great shape either. Mm, yeah. We see him at the end of the episode. He's like, I'm not training Jar Jar because he's blue from the blue shadow virus Well, they've well. all got these big smudges under their eyes. Their mm-hmm. veins and their faces are really pronounced. It's really gnarly. But the uh, watching, watching Rex say that is interesting in a way, particularly because he says that's what these men were born to do. Mm. But he's not referring to himself. Oh. As if he were separate in a way. He is separate. Mm-hmm. He's hierarchically above mm-hmm. everyone but Cody in this episode. Yeah, and so because Rex is the only clone captain or commander that we see a lot of, I'm wondering if at some point they have injected into their training or into their genetic makeup that ability to do, as Ala Sakura would say, spend the lives that need to be spent. So Sam, we've had some really interesting off-mic conversations about clone genetics and about mm-hmm. Rex. And there was a moment that we both looked at each other when we were watching the first episode, Mm -hmm. which is that as soon as the safe room is contaminated, two of the clones take off their helmets Mm -hmm. and get sick so much faster than Rex. Mm -hmm. Who keeps his on. And I mean, that's how something like this works. You want, well, I mean, it's a space virus, but like. Yeah. What do we know about a space virus? Nothing. It's it's, just because we're living in a plague. Yeah. And we, we know. You know, as as anyone does who lives through something, you learn a lot about it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But there was that moment when we looked at each other, and I was like, keep your helmets on. And Rex... And they're, like, coughing on each other. (laughs) Oh, my God, no. (laughs) I mean, they're all already infected with the same thing, but still, that's rude, man. Keep your germs out of my mouth, is all I'm saying. Yeah. But Rex keeps his helmet on, and it's such a strategically simple but effective thing to do. Mm -hmm. And we've talked a lot about how some of the clones have more of an air of command Mm -hmm. than others, and that could be a plot reason. But it begs the question, are some of the clones given a little extra secret sauce from Django Fett's DNA that makes them a little more, gives them a little oomph. Or they graduate from clone high under Principal Shakti and <laughs> are put in different roles. You know? Oh, to go to clone high with Principal Shakti. <laughs> I would be sent to the principal's office often. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a cool moment for Padme. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice little bit, it's a nice little reminder in the midst of this totally separate arc that there is a war going on and there are these dynamics between clones and Mm non-clones and a hierarchy. I do appreciate that very much. Yeah, me too. one more thing that I want to talk about, which is such a quick throwaway. Mm-hmm. It's during Mystery of the Thousand Moons, and there's a dueling ideology between Anakin and Obi-Wan. So, oh, I know. There's a lot of dueling between Obi-Wan and Anakin because Obi-Wan told... Like, they're really flagrantly showing off. Like, everyone is aware that Anakin and Padme have a thing because they just do not yeah. let it go. They do not hide it whatsoever. Can I tell you, I did end up looking up the transcripts for these episodes just to make sure that I Mm -hmm. was catching all the nuance. And the actual screenplay for these episodes, when Anakin is in the war room with Tycho and Mm Obi-Wan, and he's like, and Padme is down there. And the screenplay says, 
Obi-Wan gives Anakin an awkward look. Mm-hmm. And Anakin corrects himself and he's like, <clears throat> Senator Amidala is down yeah. there. Yeah. It is. It's awkward. And so I think in the dueling ideologies, what you mean is when Obi-Wan says, sometimes to take a great leap forward, you need to take two steps back. Yes. And then Anakin says, and sometimes all it requires is the will to jump. And so those are definitely both valid ideologies. Yes. That's why I wrote them down. They're both true. And there's moments when one of them is true and the other is not true and vice versa. It's Mm -hmm. like how with every adage... You can find an adage that says one thing and another that directly counteracts it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, those types of terms often have larger loops in them. Yeah, totally. Great minds think alike, but fools seldom differ. Mm. So, like, yeah. It is funny that they both are saying these truisms and they're both true. Yeah. And they also both speak to their own personal philosophies because Anakin is go, go, go. And deal with the consequences with a lightsaber as you cut through them. Mm-hmm. And Obi-Wan is like, I prefer to not use the lightsaber. And in a way, that speaks to Anakin's singular sense of self. Because Anakin at no point believes he fails. In fact, at the end of the episode, that is what Padme and Anakin are saying to each other. Mm-hmm. Padme says, I always knew that you were going to rescue us. And Anakin says, well, it's good you did because it was a close thing for us. Mm. And is he lying? Because I don't believe at any point that Anakin didn't believe that there was a path through, even without thinking. He seems to just will into existence. He he is almost living truer to the force than any other Jedi because mm. where he needs to go is where he goes. And he doesn't think about it. He just exists as a force. Yeah, he's not stuck in his OODA loop at all. Mm -hmm. He acts and intuits and thinks all in one seamless Mm -hmm. process. I didn't even really spend the time thinking about that interaction because it came off as kind of shallow that Padme did so much of the work in Mm -hmm. this episode. And then Anakin was now saying, oh, well, I didn't know if I was going to come through on my end. It just, I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't so, compelling to me. No, what's what's interesting about that point is that that inverts the, the feelings because Padme put in so much work, both emotional and actual physical mm-hmm. violence to make this yeah. happen. And Anakin's part was, you know, he got into a lightsaber fight, had to catch some things, capture this Dr. Vindy, and then he had to do some flying, but he does fancy flying every day. When they land on Jabo's landing platform, he immediately ignites his uh, lightsaber. Yeah. And then Obi-Wan's like, wow, you killed 17 defenseless droids. droids. That is the dichotomy between Anakin and Obi-Wan. You know what I love, though? One thing that I did pick up on is that in this episode, Padme becomes the hunter and Anakin becomes the gatherer. You know, traditionally men <laughs> yeah, are hunters yeah, and women are that gatherers. That is funny. Yeah. Padme's hunting down battle droids and Anakin is gathering a root. You know, there's another interesting moment in that when Padme and Jar Jar show up and Ahsoka says, we'll do what we can to help you kill the droids. Because Ahsoka knows that her she's compromised and her team is compromised. So her and Rex hand their blasters mm-hmm. to Padme and Jar Jar. And Ahsoka's ready to simply fight until the last breath and then mm-hmm. die. Yeah. She's ready. You can tell. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the episode, that is another thing Padme says to Anakin. Your Padawan was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And that's such a cool thing to say. And then furthermore, there's there's one more note at the end there. because When Anakin takes all the credit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, it's funny. It's, it's funny. endearing. You can tell they're in that post-battle fugue state mm-hmm. when they're so tired and they're so relieved and everyone has this great like team feeling that yeah. they're like haha so charming of course you can take all the credit yeah and then you know it's not that that is actually going to harm ahsoka to have that because it is it is laughing it is joking mm-hmm. but it does speak to both of their characters that ahsoka way. would be willing to give in a little bit yeah and that ahsoka put did 100%. She gave 100%. And then Anakin did end up rescuing her, but she was willing to give 100%. And Anakin proved himself time and time again to not be willing to spend lives. However, in this episode, we see that his will 
when he uses it aligns with the will of the forest to get things done because this is like doing crazy stuff fighting carnivorous plants in the bottom of a canyon after riding a bat to the bottom and carrying nothing but a shovel that's trusting it all you know yes so that's an I guess there is a lot here. There's so much here and there's not a lot of time spent on anything. And so I don't have any real definite conclusions about a lot of this. Mm-hmm. There was just a lot. There's a lot. It's fun. It was a romp. It was a romp. I'm always here for a good romp. Yeah. It was a nice little breath. Yeah. So I want to know who your bae is. Are you saying it's time for Baywatch? It's time for Baywatch. It's time for Baywatch. It's going to be Pad Bay for me. Pad Bay. Pad Bay, my queen, my goddess. Second only, you know, I wanted to make it Peppy Bow. <laughs> Peppy Bow gets a huge commendation from me, mm-hmm. but it's got to be Pad Bay. It's that moment when she faces down Peppy in the first episode. Mm-hmm. She says, Don't move. I don't want to hurt you. Jar Jar, put your helmet back on. She's such a mom, mm-hmm. she's such a senator. And here's the real reason is this throwaway line with Peppy when she says, I'll send some soldiers and they'll take you back to Theed. She doesn't say, I'll take you back to Otagunga, back to the Gungan city. She says, I'll send you back to Theed, mm-hmm. which makes me wonder how much assimilation is going on on Naboo. Is there more mixing of the human residents of Naboo and the Gungan residents of Naboo that would cause them to be mingling? Theed is the capital city for the humans of Naboo. It's not the capital city for the Gungans. Yeah, that's true. For me, it was a little clue that Padme is doing some really cool reconciliation efforts on Naboo that maybe are happening off screen that we don't know about. And I just think she's doing some really cool work there. I like that headcanon. That's really nice. Thank you. Also, you know, she is the best. She is dying and she's thinking of other clones dying and she thinks, what a waste. Mm -hmm. I think that's beautiful. And she compliments Ahsoka. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's a good one. Who's your bae? Oh, gosh. I don't know. You don't know your bae? No. So, listener, Anna writes down her notes and has huge files and I, I play it. I'm, I'm Anakin. I play Fast it entirely by the seat of my shooting pants. Shooting from the hip. Yeah. So I really want to say Ahsoka, despite her utter judgment failure, because she does put her 100% on. And I also really want to say Anakin, despite his utter moral failings, because he gives it his 100%. Yeah, totally. But I'm going to go with Obi-Wan. Yeah, because that's a good choice. of two moments. One of them... Ahsoka and Rex are having to fall back from some droidicas. They're in real trouble. And from the ceiling comes Obi-Wan. And he crushes the ceiling on top of these droids. He's like, sup? He and pounces. He looks he looks great. He just shows up. He rides the ceiling down. He's like, ah, oh, yes, wonderful. And he is he's very cool. He's very handsome and unruffled mm. and just perfect. Now, the other part is as they're going to attack, Anakin's like, yes, we need to do this. No, we're not waiting for the police. And you expect, you expect Obi-Wan to be like, hold up. But Obi-Wan grabs the energy. He he leashes his reins to mixed metaphors of Anakin and says, I'm going to... I'm going to work with you rather with than at odds to you. absolutely no hesitation. He's like, yep, you're mm-hmm. right. We're going to go. Because he recognizes that Anakin is doing something. And when Anakin sets his mind to something, you kind of want to be on the same side as him. But it was such a beautiful moment of solidarity. You're mm-hmm. totally right. And, and in Mystery of a Thousand Moons, Obi-Wan did cool adventure stuff. Oh, yeah. And he always was like, chill out. We're doing it my way this time. Let's just talk to a few people. Let's just see what's up. And that way worked much better. Mm-hmm. There was no need to rush. There was no need to be hasty to mm-hmm. draw your lightsaber. He talked and he rode a dinosaur. And he also, if you watch very carefully, was using his Jedi mind trick hand all over Iego. Oh, really? Every time he's talking, he's like, surely that's not what's going on. Surely you can tell us this. Or surely oh, you can wow. point us in instruction. And he's giving a big hand wave. And like that's Obi-Wan's way of doing things. And yep. it really helps because he knows 
at some level, either explicitly or implicitly, he knows that Anakin is a loose cannon, especially when it comes to Padme, but he wants to keep Anakin as an asset because otherwise he has to burn him as an asset. Well, Anakin's his brother. Yeah. He does it out of love. He does it out of strategy. I think those two things are not mutually exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive. And I imagine that there is a deep rift that widens as the war continues in Mm Obi-Wan in how he must work with Anakin. A deep inner conflict. Yeah. And that's tough. That's tough. Yeah. Obi-Wan was super dreamy this episode. That is a good choice. <laughs> I liked watching him this arc. Yeah, he's he's relatively minor compared to other players, but I, I think he's great. I think he does he doesn't make stupid decisions. He's effective yeah. everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. And that's that's Obi-Wan. Yeah. Oh, I love him so much. Obi-Wan. <laughs> it's in the name. It's in the name. All right, Sam. I think that's it for this arc. Yeah, that about wraps it up. I'm about ready to leave the plague storylines behind. We have one more in the headlights. Coming up soon. So coming up next is our last arc of season one. Yeah, we are almost done with season one of The Clone Wars. And so this is another triple header with lots of crazy stuff going on. We're going to Ryla. Getting losers, we're going to Ryloth. So we've been to we've been to Ryloth once before, haven't we? Yes, we have. Yeah, with I'm a Gundai, right? right. And Chom Chom Syndulla. Yep. So we're going back uh, in season one, episode nineteen, through season one, episode twenty-one, which is Storm on Ryloth, Innocence of Ryloth, and Liberty of Ryloth. And uh, I am super excited for these because you got my boy Mace Windu taken front and center. I'm excited because I actually remember from my long ago watch of this arc, Wax and Boiler, Mm -hmm. two clone friends. Yes. For their names to be imprinted in my memory is pretty good because I remember nothing. She doesn't know the difference between Rex and Cody. Hey, now. I do now. I do now. So we're really looking forward to that. And then after that, we're going to do our uh, season one retrospective. So Yeah, if you've got questions, concerns, stray thoughts, things that we didn't address, just send them in. Send them in on social or send us an email. Go to the website. Give us a call. Give us a call. Yeah. So looking forward to that. As always, follow us on social media at Growing Up Skywalker. We're on Instagram, Facebook, our website. Mm-hmm. And we've got some more Spice Run. Yeah, Spice Run. Spice Run. We've got some more Spice Run episodes coming out on Patreon for you. So those shorts launch every Thursday if you would just want to spend a little bit extra time with us every week. And make sure to leave a nice review for us on your podcast reader of choice. And um, send it to a friend. Don't send it to your nurse or doctor friend. They've had <laughs> enough plaguery in their lives. Send it to just anyone else. Uh, send it to the precocious kid in your life. Oh, yeah. Send it to j That's a good one. And that's it. See you next Tuesday. Bye. See you next week.